The daily news, which we watch or read each day in the media, has been consumed of late with reporting what seems to be a rising tide of anger and violence and division in our society. There are protests all over the country over issues such as racial injustice and the ways in which the government is handling the pandemic. And as we approach the presidential election in November, the tone of political discourse is becoming more and more hostile, more and more uncivil, as the deep divisions in our society are becoming more and more apparent. And this incivility is not simply restricted to clashes on the streets or debates by politicians on television, but has also creeped into many homes and workplaces and schools as well, dividing family, friends and colleagues along ideological lines. And when we see all of this happening around us, it's very easy, I think, to fall into despair, to think that there's no solution or end to all this, and to worry about the future. But amidst all of these grim images of social disharmony that bombard us on the news, there is another social reality, a much bigger reality, that largely goes unnoticed by the media. Perhaps it goes unnoticed because it's not really new at all. It's actually quite ancient. But it's nonetheless the greatest force of human unification that the world has ever seen. I speak, of course, of the Holy Eucharist, of that wonderful sacrament, which is celebrated and being celebrated in hundreds of thousands of churches each and every day all over the globe, where over a billion Catholics gather together in faith around a table to receive the one body and the one cup that was offered by Jesus Christ once and for all at the Last Supper. This reality of the Holy Eucharist is, of course, a fulfillment of what we heard in our Gospel reading just before, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 men by Christ. The Gospel reading is interesting because it reveals an important point about the nature and the purpose of the Holy Eucharist that we may not always think about. The reading, which comes from the 14th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, follows on the heels of the account of the beheading of St. John the Baptist by King Herod. You all know the story. John the Baptist tells Herod that it's unlawful for him to have his brother's wife, and enraged by this message, Herod has John the Baptist imprisoned and later beheaded. It's an unspeakable act of injustice that has been done. But the society of Israel at the time of Christ was not exactly a model of peace and social harmony either. Yet our Lord's reaction to the injustice done to John the Baptist is instructive for us, as we hear in the very first sentence of our Gospel reading this morning. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. In other words, he retreated from the turmoil of the city to go to a quiet and deserted place to pray. And he is followed there by thousands of his disciples, many of whom were probably once followers of John the Baptist themselves before they followed Christ. 
people who were no doubt angered and saddened and perhaps even divided among themselves about what they should do in response to John the Baptist's killing. But the Lord does not retreat simply to escape and avoid the issue, but rather to unveil a fantastic program of human reform, a program of reforming the human heart, which he does by having them sit down and eat the food which he provides. And herein lies the point. The Holy Eucharist, which is prefigured by the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, and which is distributed each day to hundreds of millions of Catholics around the world, is the Lord's solution to the hatred that divides us as human beings and to the universal and structural injustices caused by human sin. This is why the Church calls the, the Holy Eucharist, among other names, the Sacrament of Unity, because it is both a sign as well as a cause of unity among men. It is a sign of unity, because through the partaking of the one body and blood of Christ, we are united not only to Christ, but to each other, as we partake of the very same meal at Holy Mass. At the table of God, there are no distinctions between black and white, male and female, rich and poor. It is the very same Christ who comes and fills the human soul no matter who the recipient is. And it is a cause of unity because the Holy Eucharist transforms the human heart by infusing the soul with supernatural charity, making that person a lover of God and a lover of neighbour in a supernatural way. The problem with so many of the secular movements that grab the headlines today is that they try to seek change through the instruments of power and politics. And it's a project that's doomed to fail if that's all they've got. Because the only way to secure true and lasting peace in this world is through the conversion of human hearts. Something that only God can do. And this he does through the Eucharist. Because when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion, it is hard for us to remain the same. It is hard for us to maintain our prejudices against others, our indifference towards others, our sins against others. The good Christian who receives the Lord frequently cannot be indifferent to the suffering of the African-American who continues to, suffer, to face discrimination to this day. He cannot be indifferent to the suffering of the immigrant who struggles to seek a better life for himself and for his family. He cannot be indifferent to the suffering of the sick and of the poor in the streets any more than Christ would fail to have compassion on the crowds. The reform of our hearts through the Eucharist is meant to make us like Christ. It is meant to make us agents of God's grace and peace for others, because while Christ multiplies the loaves and the fish, the Gospel makes very clear that he leaves it to his disciples to distribute the graces he provides by serving their brothers and sisters in charity. And so it is for us, as it has been for all the saints throughout the history of the Church, who made their world a better place 
inflamed by the love of God in their hearts. On that note, I would like to end with a prayer written by one of the church's greatest saints, St. Francis of Assisi, who beautifully sums up how we need to respond to the anger and violence and division of our times. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow charity. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen.